Hello, I'm Luca De Giglio, and this is the Web3 in Travel podcast, where you can learn about crypto, blockchain, and how the new internet will change travel. The thesis in this episode is pretty simple. Commissions will be much lower than they are today in Web3. Let me step back to June 2017, when for the first time I heard what Ethereum could do in terms of organizing and coordinating people to create software and then platforms. It was like I was sitting with um, a friend of mine, a sysadmin, who told me about DAOs for the first time. I had heard about Ethereum and mine, I had been in Bitcoin for already four years at the time. And, but I hadn't really heard about DAOs until that moment. So when he told me about DAOs, I think it took me 10 seconds to go like, wow, we can do the decentralized Airbnb. And there was not even a decision. I mean, that was like finally something I could work on with the full excitement of knowing that I could do something, you know, impactful and, and important and and consequential rather than simply you know running a startup and try to make money and, and exit etc uh, i always needed some more meaning to what i was doing and that's been like a constant in my life so when he tells me DAOs and i go like wow decentralized airbnb i will i was sold immediately because i, I wasn't actually sold i was looking for something like this i had been looking for something like this for a few years already and then when it it appeared to me like it was given to me it was what i wanted like there was no no decision making there like it was that was like okay I, i'm on it so the next thing was like okay how are we gonna build a decentralized airbnb and i sat down july and august 2017 and i wrote down this white paper and one of the chapters was about commissions and the thesis was Web3 commissions will be very low. Why? Because the, the DAO doesn't need to make a profit or it doesn't need to optimize for the profit. It needs to make money to keep developing, to be alive, basically. But profit itself is not the end game. This is really important. The end game of a DAO platform is to exist. Now, see it like this. If the platform is created by founders plus VCs, plus investors. The investors do not use, they don't need to use the platform. They're not in it for the platform, right? The founders are in it because they have a, like a life journey, they have a vision, they want to build something good for the world, etc. But the, the, the investors are in it because they have a certain amount of money which they need to put to work. And their final, the end game is to make more money than, than they put in. Right? It's an investment. So the measure of success for an investor-driven platform, which is the whole Web2, is not that the platform exists or it makes people's lives better, that bef before there was no platform, now we have a platform, so society is better off. No, it's about how much money they make out of it. And this is perfectly fine. I never want to sound like a socialist here. It's just that we need to remember the facts, and the facts are pretty simple. Money has to be made. The, the role of the platform is to make as much money as possible for the investors. 
it is not to merely exist. Now, in Web3, at least theoretically, the platform value is in existing. Why? Because the owners of the platform, the investors on the platform, are people who use it. So if you are an Airbnb user, the value you get from Airbnb existence is the fact that it exists and you can use it. You don't really care if it's making 5%, 10%, or 20% profit. You care that it makes a profit, otherwise it dies, and then you won't have it anymore, and you can't use it. Same thing for the hosts. The hosts make money out of Airbnb because it exists, so they can have a job, they can work on it, and they don't care if Airbnb is making 5, 10, or 20. Actually, if they could have a say, it would be like, please don't make so much profit because this is actually coming out from, from my margins. But they're not financially aligned with Airbnb unless they are stockholders. So if guests and hosts buy Airbnb stock, then their interest is more aligned. Okay, But not all hosts or all guests are Airbnb stockholders. They are, by definition, stakeholders in the sense that they have an interest in the platform being successful and, and existing, mostly, right? So when I wrote down this chapter, I said to myself, well, maybe since the end gain is not the, is not the profit, then the, the commissions can be lower. So instead of charging the 15 20% commission on top of every booking, uh, stakeholder first platform can change can charge less 5% 3% it doesn't matter enough to survive and uh, enough also to share a bit of the upside so if it's successful there's money to be made you, this money instead of being taken out from the commission can be left there on the table for everybody to share so if you have airbnb just to keep it simple if airbnb stops charging you know 15% and start charging 5%, where does this 10% goes? It goes in two directions. Savings on bookings for the guests or more margin for the hosts. It doesn't just disappear, right? So that was at the time my thesis. And it turned out that it was right in the effect because yes, commissions will be lower. And it was wrong in the reason, at least partially wrong because yes, stakeholders won't try to optimize the commission. So the profit, there was, there's another reason for which commissions will be lower. And it's that, and I didn't see that at the time, the platform does not own the inventory. That's really fundamental on every level. So very easy explanation for this. Booking.com, Expedia own the listings. So if you create a listing on Booking.com, that listing is in Booking.com servers. You do not own it. You can't take it away. You cannot export it and bring it to Expedia. They went as far as giving us the chance to export the calendar. So they gave us one protocol, which is iCal. They haven't given us anything else. True third-party software, yes, you can centralize the listing creation and then export it elsewhere. But the most important thing, as I said often, in my opinion, is the reviews, because the listing, you can recreate it manually. It's not a big deal. But the reviews, they die once they get out of the platform where they were created. So when Booking.com owns your listing, 
and so captures you and owns, owns your reviews and so captures you, they can charge 15% and 20% because you can't leave. All you can do is to go to be present in other platforms too, but whatever you build on them, it's with them forever. So you can't leave. You are, there's no exit. There's no real easy exit. Now, let's see and let's look at OpenSea. OpenSea is the most successful marketplace in Web3 so far. It's a centralized company and it's a centralized software. So the marketplace itself is not, as far as I know, open source software. I know that they shared some smart contract in, in an open way, but the whole platform is centralized. The company is centralized. The company comes from Y Combinator. I think I talked about this in the past, etc. They charge 2.5%. So booking OTAs, 15-20%. NFT platform, 2.5%. Okay, that's a big difference. This is like six to eight times less. That makes a big difference. So the question is, why does OpenSea, a centralized company with investors, which is still focusing on profit, it's not a DAO, why do they charge 2.5%? Because this is breaking my thesis that DAOs charge less and it's changing it to like, it's not DAO that charge less only, it's Web3 platforms, Web3 marketplaces, which charge less. Why? Well, because they can't charge more. Why can't they charge more? And I give you a pause here to think about it. Why is OpenSea not charging 15%? Think about it. Okay. Why? Well, they do not own the inventory. The NFTs on OpenSea do not belong to OpenSea. They are not in OpenSea's database. They are on a different database, a blockchain, controlled by everyone else. So the owner of an NFT on OpenSea can leave OpenSea anytime with her NFT intact. They are not losing the NFT. They are losing the exposure to the sales. And that's why they are on OpenSea too, because, well, there's a lot of buyers there and they want them, but they are not captured by OpenSea. Any other marketplace, NFT marketplace, can display that NFT without even asking the owner of the NFT. So the owner of the wallet, of the private keys, etc. It's just on the blockchain. It's an open database anybody can use. So if you create an NFT, maybe this is something I haven't made explicit in the past. When you create an NFT, it appears on OpenSea after a short time that you want it or not. Now, let's forget for a moment like, why are they abusing of my NFT when I don't want it to be listed? Because that's a nice discussion to, be, to, to have. But you create an NFT on a public ledger, so on a public database, and OpenSea displays it by default. And so anybody else can do that. This gives you complete control on the NFT. It may feel like, oh, well, everybody can use my NFT and publish it on the platform while... On OTAs, on booking OTAs, I decide where my listing appears. I have more control on those platforms, and which is like intuitively right, but it's completely wrong. You have zero control on those platforms, and you have total control on blockchains because, yes, 
Uh, OpenSea can show your NFT, but people can't buy it unless you want it. So once you accept the fact that an NFT is on an open blockchain and anybody can do what they want with it, they can display, they can read it, they can write it. So anybody can make you offers on OpenSea, you just don't accept them. While you may decide to accept offers from other marketplaces, which maybe don't charge 2.5%, but charge 1%. So you have complete control in that sense. And all OpenSea can do here is to bring you buyers. They can't destroy your NFT as Airbnb can destroy your listing. So they can't really de-platform you in the same way. De-platforming on OpenSea, which is still, again, a centralized platform, means OpenSea tells you, I won't give you my buyers. And they are perfectly in their rights to do that. Nobody can force them to give you buyers in the same way as nobody can force Airbnb to keep your listing online if you do something they don't like. The big difference is you lose your listing in Airbnb, you don't lose your NFT in OpenSea. And that gives OpenSea much less leverage. So they charge less. This is a real fundamental change in the narrative and in the structure of the internet itself. This really tilts the power towards the user, the owners, and away from platforms. So Web3 platforms, Web3 marketplaces can be widely successful, as OpenSea arguably is, and at the same time, don't be too abusive, as OTAs tend to be by their very nature or by the very nature of Web2. Now, the good news from the point of view of my white paper at the beginning is that we can attain already an improvement in Web3 compared to Web2 booking platforms, not by even going the DAO way, even without a DAO, even with a centralized booking platform, let's say a marketplace for NFT bookings, we will have platforms selling our bookings for us for a much lower rate and leaving us in control of our business. And when we are guests, well, we, not, we won't pay 15, 20%, we will pay 2.5%. So big advancement, big improvement already. Now, sounds good, sounds great. Maybe, as, you know, as many other things used to sound good and great in the internet, and then they went in the wrong, in the wrong direction. Let's ask ourselves, is it conceivable that a web tree marketplace, a Web3 booking platform manages to charge 15%? That's one question. And the other question is, okay, if they can't increase the commission, will they find ways to extract value differently? Let's go back to the internet itself. The internet itself was born with a missing part. It had no money. The internet itself was no commercial. And so when people started building valuable stuff on it they had no way to get paid like google could have charged for every search like a millionth of a dollar so every million searches they made a dollar they couldn't do that because the money system there was no native money system so you had to 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 transact the money you had to use the legacy um, credit card system well, they went for advertisement. Facebook went for advertisement. Instagram went for advertisement. 
advertisement and data mining and then selling this data through advertisement another way. So the internet had to find ways to make money and they did it by using data as the valuable aspect. And we know what happened with that. So all the promises of a democratic, open, fair internet became in large part a dystopian world where we have these free systems which actually are just free on the surface and we are paying in different ways with our privacy and with other things. So different discussion to be had again here. What I want to say is the fact that it looks better, it looks nicer, it doesn't mean it's going to go that way. Web3 could, be, could go in a completely wrong direction and make things even worse for their users. So that's a question we have to ask ourselves. We have to be open to accept the fact that nothing is going to be utopic just because it can. It can, be, can become dystopic very easily. So again, the question we have to ask ourselves, and I'm not answering because I don't have an answer, is will they find a way to charge more commissions? And if not, will they find different ways to screw us anyway? Uh, I, I could, well, partially I can answer it. They could screw us by tokenizing in a way which makes them make, them make money and we lose money. Like, you know, um, launching a token and making us buy in this to dream of a DAO. Everybody buys the token. Everybody thinks that they own the platform. And then there's this big rock pool in which they start selling the token before we realize what's happening, etc. So there's going to be ways. And, and the tension is always going to be there from investors trying to have a return on the capital. So shareholders and stakeholders trying to have a good quality platform to, to build their business on or to use to, to book. It's never going to be a clear path to victory for the masses. Actually, in the long run, we always have to assume, in my opinion, that the masses will lose because the masses are not so sophisticated and so focused, while the investors, the, the elites, tend to be more focused. So I always see this as like, okay, it's going to be great for a while and then something will happen. It's not going to be great anymore. But we have, you know, a good five, 10 years of uh, power balance tilting toward the, the, the users and the stakeholders. After that, I don't know, we'll see. We're going to need new disruptive technologies probably. So we've seen the existing Web2 platforms and we compare them to OpenSea. But OpenSea is centralized. What, what happens when it goes even farther on the decentralized ladder and we have actually DAOs conjuring new booking platforms which are really decentralized, which means the, the profit is not even there. It could, be, it could really work at zero profit and the profit which it ma is made is shared immediately with the token holders, either just by not charging any commission or like a very low commission Uniswap style, 0.3% and stuff like this, just to keep things running or charging a one to five percent commission which goes back to the token holders treasury development etc so we have on the left end of of our range the 15 20 percent centralized companies in the middle we have OpenSea, which is charging 2.5 on the other side we will have a DAOs, which will maybe charge even less below one percent and so this is the thesis of why commissions will be lower in web3 Again, let me reiterate it. It's because the users own their assets in Web3 by default. So if a booking platform comes out and tells you, we are Web3, uh, but the listings are 
built in the same way and they are in the database, well, then in that case, you, you can expect that commissions will not be that low because it's a structural definition. If the structure is listings are owned by the platform, expect higher commissions. If the structure is listings are NFTs or any other kind of token, then you can expect lower commissions. And of course, commissions is not everything. I mean, how many hosts are happy to pay 15%? How often have I used Booking or Agoda knowing that I'm paying 15% because it's easier than dealing with the hotel? Like right now, I'm booking hotels all over Asia. I could contact them directly, but it's so much better to book through platforms that I use the platforms. You know, why do I have to deal with a reception and exchange 10 emails and not even knowing if they're going to respect the agreement when I can do the same thing on Agoda? Of course, if they offer me a 15% rebate, it may be worth it, but often they don't even offer that, right? So this is to say platforms are great, but the web is changing. And so we're going to have, in my opinion, better platforms in the future. That's all. So when in 2017, I theorized this fact that commissions will be lower and I didn't actually foresee the fact that digital assets owned by the users are another reason for commissions to be, to be lower, I wasn't at the time expecting this concept to become, I wouldn't say mainstream, it's not mainstream yet, but to become validated by VCs themselves. And let me read you uh, a tweet thread from Chris Dixon. Chris Dixon is a um, partner at A16Z, which is maybe the biggest investor in, in Silicon Valley, I think, and is specialized on Web3. He has these great mental models about Web3. I really suggest you to, to follow. And also, I will link you on a few bankless podcasts from where he's talking. Bankless is just one of the best podcasts, in my opinion, on Web3. Um, so yeah, he's an investor and he understands Web3 probably much better than, than myself. He's been uh, in the internet since the beginning uh, and is a great thinker in that sense. So he writes about take rates, which is basically commissions in, a, in an interesting thread on Twitter. It's from August 2021. Topic. Going from Web2 to Web3, and then in quotes, your take rate is my opportunity. Take rate here, of course, is the commission, right? Two, Jeff Bezos famously said, your margin is my opportunity, referring to the way Amazon took market share by lowering prices and eating into competitors' margins. What Amazon did in commerce is what the internet did more generally. Lowering prices and redistributing value back to the users has been the internet's core dynamic, core economic dynamic since the 90s. Craigslist did this with classifieds. Google and Facebook did this with media. TripAdvisor and Airbnb did this with travel and so on. Wow, I didn't remember he mentioned Airbnb. So, great. Today, this trend continues as Web3 startups being begin, sorry, to eat into the margin of Web2 incumbents. The higher the take rate, the more vulnerable the incumbent. The video games industry does about $120 billion a year in sales, a significant portion of which is virtual goods. Most video games have 100% take rates. Web3, 
aka crypto, so as known as crypto, Web3 games reduce the take rate dramatically. For example, Axie Infinity has generated over 1 billion in gross sales in the past year, most of which has gone back to the users. In most video games, some people pay to get ahead and other people work to get ahead. The difference in Web3 is that the economy is peer-to-peer. Players fund other players, not just the game developers. Today, there are over 8 million musicians on streaming services, yet less than 15,000 musicians, less than, less than 0.2%, make more than $50,000 a year. That's because the vast majority of the revenue is kept by the streaming services and music label. With NFTs, musicians keep over 90% of sales. By cutting out layers of intermediaries, musicians can credibly support themselves with just a thousand true fans. Social media platforms like Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok have take rates of 100%. They don't share any revenue at all with the creators. That's been great for them, but bad for the users. In contrast, Web3 social platforms like Rally, Mirror, and BitCloud have effective take rates well below 10%. Most of the value is sent back to users and creators. Web2 platforms depend entirely on creators for content, yet give only scraps back. This is not sustainable. Web2 take rate is Web3 opportunity. End of thread. Now, in booking platforms, the content is basically the house, the listing, the every, everything is, is made by hosts, right? And the guests bring the money and the hosts bring the house and the marketplace puts them together. So I think I, I successfully laid the ground of a basic assumption in Web3, which is commissions will be lower in Web3 than in Web2. And I explained the reasons. How will it play out in the future? We don't know. Um, let's, I mean, I will at least assume that the trend will be towards lower commissions. As I said, maybe investors will find other ways to make money anyway, um, maybe in the longer term at least. So commissions will be lower, but there are dangers ahead anyway. So what can, what can we learn from that? Well, first, if you're building Web3, don't assume high commissions are acceptable. Assume low commissions will be acceptable. If you are in the Web2 platform world, probably assume that commissions, so margins for the companies, will go lower. That seems to be a general trend. That doesn't mean that margins will go lower. Maybe they find different ways. Maybe they're going to go into tokenization and stuff, but commission as a, as a value will probably go lower in general. And as we shift into this new model, of course, there's going to be opportunities at every level. What I described here is a general trend, but how will it happen and when will it happen? We don't know. It's a function of wallet penetration. So it's a function itself, the wallet penetration or adoption is a function of two other things. How many people download a wallet and start using it and how easier wallets become, or I would say safer. So as I mentioned in a, in a previous episode, um, that there's a lot of effort in making wallets safer. And if someone 
cracks this nut and finds a way to allow people having their own digital assets without at the same time as it is today putting them in danger of losing them completely, then that would you know, increase the wallet adoption and at the same time, as a consequence, decrease commissions. I think this is very strongly correlated. But most probably the first step is going to be centralized companies dealing with digital assets where the company is completely centralized, but your listings, your reviews, and all that, everything else is actually your own digital asset managed maybe by them in a custodial way or managed by yourself. We will see. It's always easy in a way to see the trends and it's hard to see how they will, they will exactly play out. But my goal in this episode was to show you that commissions will go lower. That's it. And that the reason for that is double-fold, is DAOs will grow and at the same time digital assets don't allow for high commissions by default. All right, this is the end of today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. For more insights on Web3, follow me on Twitter at TripLuca, T-R-I-P-L-U-C-A, and see you next time.